0: hello again welcome to another episode of the uranium market minute today is wednesday april 27th and this is episode number 111 my name is justin Hune. i am your host i'm the founder and publisher of the uranium insider pro newsletter the only investing newsletter that focuses solely on uranium and publishes on a regular monthly basis as always nothing that you see or hear in this video podcast is intended to be investing advice i'm not your financial advisor this is not financial advice please always do your own due diligence when it comes to investing Always take responsibility for your own choices. Okay, thank you so much for being here. I do appreciate each and every one of you. Um, This is going to be a relatively quick episode today, as it is a pretty quiet uh, day in the markets today for uranium. Let's jump right into the daily scoreboard where I will share with you spot price of uranium, SPUT flows, ETF flows. Price of uranium slipped a bit more today, 52.87 a pound mid market. Again, we have SPUT out of the market. Um, not really, uh, not issuing any new shares, not raising any new capital, and they're not going to draw down that $28 million cash position that they're sitting on right now to buy more uranium. So basically we're at a stalemate here until there's new flows coming into spot. Of course, other players can participate in the spot market, but on the buy side, most of the other players in the spot market on the buy side, which would be utilities in theory are essentially mostly out of the spot market. Why? Because purchasing in the spot market currently, due to how thin the spot market is, is having an accretive effect on the price of of the spot uranium. Now, many of these utilities still have outstanding contracts uh, with deliveries now-ish and going into the future. Then those deliveries are oftentimes partly referenced to the market or referenced to the spot price of uranium. So if one utility chooses to buy some uranium on the spot market, that moves the price up. Um, another utility or potentially even that same utility could be overpaying for uh, a contract delivery with uh, with uh, consideration of that spot referenced portion of that contract. So utilities, generally speaking, are not really participating all that much in the spot market. It has now mostly been uh, traders and of course the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust, which currently is out of the market due to the factors I just mentioned. Um, so we're looking at, let's see, SPITE closed at a discount to NAV minus 4% yesterday, um, and today did not get back up above that 1% premium to NAV, so we continue to trade at a slight discount to NAV here. Looks like the sector is still trying to find a bottom from this recent pullback that really, uh, really increased in speed last week. It feels like we're at a bottom. It feels like these stocks want to move. The broad market, again, is not really helping us out here. With continued chop sideways and if not down in the broad markets. So we continue to go sideways here uh, for the last few days in the uranium market, waiting for the next leg to kick in. As I mentioned, Sput sitting on 28 million in cash, and they're not going to spend that on uranium. They're going to wait until they can raise more cash on their ATM. There obviously is, uh, you know, there's a bit of speculation about Sput's NYSE listing and that we are not going to see substantial flows into the sector or into sput until we have clarity on that nyse listing now that uh i i you know in in some cases that makes a little bit of sense but at the same time we've already seen substantial flows we've seen three quarters of a billion dollars come into sput since the beginning of the year that's a lot of money um we've seen substantial buying coming from the etfs due to uh, share issuance primarily by ura so there's definitely been a decent amount of, of money flow into the sector already this year so I don't know how much institutions are, are generally waiting for that clarity, but whether or not they get the NYSE listing, I do believe that once that clarity is in the market, then we will see uh, perhaps a renewed uh, interest in institutions positioning at that point. Um, so I, we're waiting for communication from the Sprott CEO in terms of timing on this, but we do believe that we're still within that two to four month timeframe frame from right now to when we will have clarity on that listing as the application has been uh, filed with the SEC, filed on behalf of Sprott by the New York Stock Exchange. Turning to the ETFs, URA issued a very small amount, uh, excuse me, very small decrease in outstanding shares of 20,000 shares, $300,000 in mandated selling, no change for URNM. So this is noteworthy. The selling that we have seen across the sector over the past week is not coming from the ETFs. Uh, we're not seeing redemptions here, so what does that mean? Yes, of course, there is selling of the etFs but at the same time the buying pressure on those etfs uh has has not has been relatively balanced and so we're not seeing huge redemptions here from the from the etf so the selling basically what this means is the selling is of the individual uh of the individual holdings that the etfs actually hold because they're not the ones selling it the outflows in the etfs have not brought those ETFs down to a significant enough discount to their net asset value to justify them um, selling down those holdings to redeem shares. So uh, why don't we go ahead and take a look at the charts? Like I said, a pretty quiet day today here. Um, URA was up 0.68% on the day. Very small volumes here. Really, we're just chopping sideways. Looks pretty indecisive. Uh, RSI is slightly ticking up here, coming coming off of oversold territory. would like to see these levels hold. Of course, I've mentioned in the past, if we do see further weakness, um, we would definitely like to see some support at this lower trend line within this long-term Livermore accumulation cylinder. So uh, it's nice to see that the volumes are dropping off here a bit and we're not seeing further down downside moves. So perhaps we have a bit of chop before we have uh, a renewed leg uh, back up into this Uh, into this Livermore accumulation cylinder moving higher. Sprott Physic Uranium Trust also low volumes, uh, up almost precisely the amount that URA was up today, 0.67% here. Pretty indecisive candle. Looks like MACD still has bottomed and the RSI is trying to move up here. Um, It looks, generally speaking, across the sector, like a number of these stocks have bottomed from this recent pullback of about 15 to 20% from the highs that we saw just a few weeks prior. Uh, same thing with Cameco. Chemico actually down about half a percent today. Volume's tapering off. Uh, MACD trying to find a bottom here. And I think that we are, again, just chopping sideways for the most part. All right, so for the mailbag section, um, I had a question come to me through a direct message on Twitter uh, asking about another post. This post came from... Art Hyde from Segre Capital on Twitter. He had a really good thread today from the um, WNA, the World Nuclear Association's uh, conference that is happening today in London. We did attend that virtually. And this is the World Nuclear Fuel Cycle Conference uh, put on by the World Nuclear Association, the WNA, which is a fantastic organization. By the way, anybody new to this sector um, wanting to learn about nuclear energy in general Uh, The WNA website is an absolute treasure trove of knowledge. I highly recommend you visit that website. In fact, I'll go ahead and put a link in the description of the video here and in the show notes for you to check that out. If you, like I said, if you are a beginning investor in this sector and you want to learn more, generally speaking about nuclear, fantastic resource. And they put on a great conference today. And there were a lot of uh, gems of information that came from the fantastic speakers. And we are going to put in very thorough um, take on what we learned today from this conference in the May Uranium Insider Pro newsletter that will be out on Tuesday, May 3rd. So that is coming next week. But for now, I want to share um, something that Art shared and something that we did hear from one of the speakers today. And this speaker was um, a woman named Adrienne Hanley. She comes from the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Agency And she made a couple of comments about a study that the IAEA has done on the um, inventory levels for both the U.S. and for Europe. Now, the U.S. inventory levels are recommended to be at least two years on average for nuclear utilities within the United States. Over the past few years, um, we have been right around that two to two and a half year range for, on average, for nuclear utilities in the U.S., and it's been a bit of a head scratcher because over the past few years, we've we've seen uh, limited volumes in spot purchasing and limited volumes of term contracting on the part of the U.S. nuclear utilities. However, the inventories would remain relatively stable. Why is that? We we would assume that the inventories were being drawn down significantly due to the lower volumes of purchasing. However, what we you know what we've come to find out is that the U.S. utilities and the European utilities. And you know, global utilities in general have uh, have bolstered their inventories over the past five plus years by purchasing uh, carry trade contracts with traders. So you would see traders buy in the spot market or buy from from producers, buy above ground mobile inventory, and they would secure term contract deliveries with utilities. And that would not necessarily be a long term contract or a spot market uh, long term contract from a producer or a spot market uh, purchase. And so that's essentially how utilities globally have uh, kept their your inventories up as they've been drawing them down simultaneously. So while we assumed that we would see lower inventory numbers in the past few years, and they continue to come in, these are the the EIA reports in the U.S. that comes, I believe, in May of each year. And at you know two two plus years of inventory, two plus years of inventory, two plus years of inventory. Well, today, Miss Hanley from uh, from the IAEA says that. Their study is showing that the U.S. utilities have around an average of 16 months of inventory. That's a significant drop on average of U.S. utility inventory. Now, Of course, we're going to wait for the official numbers to come out next month, and those are for uh, year-end 2021 numbers. So that could have changed, obviously, in the past uh, three and a half, now almost four months since the beginning of the year. So those numbers are not perfectly up to date. So actually, these... These numbers from the study from the IAEA that uh, Ms. Hanley did mention are likely more accurate than what we're going to see from the EIA numbers that will be coming out uh, shortly. What does that mean? That means that U.S. utilities have been drawing down their inventories um, uh, in a greater capacity and a greater volume than they have been replacing, replenishing those inventories. And of course, this is on average. Some utilities are certainly secure in their, uh, in their inventories and in their nuclear fuel deliveries out, you know, towards the end of this decade, some are short-term uncovered and are going to need to secure short, mid and long-term contracts uh, very soon. 16 months on average of inventory for a for nuclear utility is uh, is concerning. It's concerning. And she actually stated this as such. This is not a level that the U.S. wants to see in terms of energy security and security of supply. So what does that mean? Now that we're seeing The U.S. confirm that there will be support going forward coming from the federal government for utilities that are, quote unquote, on the chopping block in terms of uh, economic viability in the marketplace for selling electricity in deregulated markets. Those utilities can now apply for support from the federal government. Um, So what does that mean? That means that these utilities are going to be buying fuel going forward because uh, they know that they will be getting that support 16 months on average of, of inventory is uh, very, very low, historically speaking. Another uh, considerable note on this. So Europe, and I've stated this in the past, that um, that the EU, generally speaking, recommends, if not requires, uh, nuclear utilities to have at least three years of inventory. Well, now that we're hearing from also from Ms. Hanley, from the IAEA, that the European nuclear utilities on ha- average have just above two years of inventory. This is much lower than we've seen in years past. So this is uh, you know, pulling this all together into, um, into basically a, a, an assumption that the utilities, generally speaking, over the past six months especially, have been drawing down inventories on a global level. And what that means is that going forward, we are likely to see an increased volume in long-term contracting. And that's, of course, one of the core tenets of this thesis of being long uh, uranium equities. And uh, we are likely to see that increase uh, later on in this year. We've already seen that increase in the first five weeks of the year where Cameco reported they had contracted 40 million pounds in the first five weeks of the year, uh, which was greater than their entire 2021 uh, contracting volume of 30 million pounds. Uh, not really sure if Chemico will be reporting more volume in term contracts in their uh, conference call, which will happen, I believe, the first week of May. I don't have the date off the top of my head, um, but that's coming soon. Uh, the ter- term contracting has slowed down over the past um, a couple of months after it really took off in the first month of the year. In my opinion, that is utilities are drawing down inventories and they're kind of waiting the situation out for the time being, seeing what is going to happen with Russia and Ukraine, will they be able to contract going out and you know six months from now if this blows over if they can sign those contracts with Russia again they likely will because um, they're looking for a consistent reliable supply that is relatively cheap and that's what Russia has been for global utilities for decades. So um there's it's a quiet period in the markets right now, in the in the nuclear fuel markets. Of course, that mostly has to do with U308. Uh, we're seeing big jumps, like I mentioned yesterday, in the SWU price and conversion prices. So utilities clearly are seeking out new sources from the West of enrichment and of conversion. And those are towards the end of the fuel cycle, like I, I discussed in in depth in yesterday's podcast in episode number one ten. Uh so they're they're seeking out those pounds at the end of the fuel cycle first, and that's going to trickle down to U308, especially now that we're seeing these low inventory numbers. So that was a very, very important point that came from today's um, nuclear fuel cycle conference in London that we were very pleased to attend. And we are going to give uh, like I said, a, a greater synopsis on some, some other details that came from that conference today, which were quite striking. Okay, needless to say, um, the market is quiet at the moment. Uh, The stocks are quiet at the moment, despite the fact that there's bullish news coming in. Uh, It's coming in through a fire hose right now. Um, I'm sure that everyone here that is listening to this or watching this does follow John Quakes on Twitter. If you don't, please do. John Quakes, um, he tweeted something out today that I thought was quite profound. That was that... um, quote unquote locker room talk or back room boardroom talk within this conference. And I actually didn't hear this today. I wasn't there in person. We were there digitally. So I'm sure that there were other connections and important things to be, to be had and to be heard from this conference in person, but Quakes, um, basically, and this is speculative, right? So he's, this is just kind of hearsay. He's basically hearing that there's another fund that's interested in setting up a similar physical uh, uranium trust, that mirrors the same um, methodology as Sput, okay? So on top of Sput and the clear financialization of this sector, we have another entity wanting to set up a physical trust and in a similar manner as Sput. And what do they mean by a similar manner? Well, what is Sput doing? They have, they have, importantly, the ATM, the at-the-market financing where they can actually issue shares into the open market whenever they're trading at a premium to NAV. But they also have great transparency and liquidity so they've done a fantastic job in converting the uranium participation corporation upc um, into this unbelievably uh a creative vehicle for investors and for the sector now there's another entity that's talking about doing the same potentially another market i think that he mentioned i can't find the tweet at the moment i think that he mentioned that it came from uh someone in the uk um, who knows if that'll have anything to do with uh yellow Cakes vehicle in the uk not sure just speculation. On top of that, we have ANU Energy. This is the entity that already has a $50 million seed, uh, partially coming from Cap, from Kazatomprom, partially coming from the National Bank of Kazakhstan. And uh, ANU Energy already has $50 million in purchasing. They, we believe and we are hearing that they do seek to, to follow through on what they had mentioned during the inception of that vehicle, which is they expected a $500 million follow-on raise to happen in 2022. We are hearing that, that the plans are still for that to take place. So we're we are really setting up for a serious run here. And uh, I'm totally fine with seeing the sector chop sideways here and see some panic in the markets because that's when I start to get greedy. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I will see you again tomorrow. Cheers.